This week on the Habs Forum, we have your season preview. We actually have a season to preview. It's starting tomorrow. We're doing it last minute like we like to do here at the Habs Forum uh, for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk. Of course, we got a bunch of predictions, actually. We actually got some uh, some traction on Twitter on some predictions. It's exciting. It's like you guys actually listen to our podcast. We love it. Uh, so we're going to talk about your predictions. We're going to give some of our predictions. First is a bit of news to talk about. I mean, we lost Juleson, uh, Perry, and Froelich cleared waivers. That's good to know. So we know what the taxes squad looks like. We know what the final roster uh, looks like. And um, a few other rumors and uh, a TSN poll that's uh, quite interesting to, uh, to, talk to, the, to, uh, to talk about. So but first, Dustin, before we get into all of that, tell me who we are brought to you by. As always, the Habs Forum is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use promo code HABSFORUM uh, to get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Uh, try out the Lawnmower 3.0, a great product to shave your balls. I'm sure your boyfriend, girlfriend will definitely appreciate that. Great product. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a light on it. That's pretty cool for when you're shaving. You can see what the hell you're doing down there. <laughs> and uh, and the, the Weed Whacker to, uh, to shave the inside of your nose. Not your, don't shave your nose, but the inside of your nose. There you go. The inside of me. I guess it's trim, though, right? It's not shave. Trim. That, that, that was the, the main <laughs> issue last time, trim. So, uh, I mean, you could, everyone could always use a good trim wherever you want on the body. So definitely check those out. And it's not because Christmas is over that you can't treat yourself to something nice. So, all right. So before we get into the predictions, let's talk about uh, the news. I think that the most relevant thing, and we love to talk about prod- prospects on this podcast, uh, the Canadians – lose uh noah jolson to to waivers now i mean every year it seems that there's like a young player that for i'm sure this is true for every team that gets put on waivers and kind of the the fans are scared to lose them uh but usually the, the players kind of clear not that many players get claimed every year right usually fans kind of overreact uh how other teams are going to judge us but jolson was the one this year that felt like uh, might be a risk, and uh, I mean, they, they they lose him. I mean, it's sad to see him go. I mean, it's not that surprising all the injuries he has, but he has a lot of potential still. Uh, how do you feel about it? Would you have sent someone else down instead of ri- risking losing Juleson? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, the, probably the other option, uh, well, at least on defense, would have been uh, Victor Mete. And now uh, I forget who exactly was on Twitter posted that they had talked to uh, to a bunch of different GMs or uh, or pro scouts, and at least three and three of them said that Victor Mete would not have cleared waivers, Be, you know, just because of the way that he plays. I mean, I think he's pretty underappreciated here in Montreal for what he does. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not the biggest Victor Mete fan to be honest with you, but I know that he definitely would have been claimed. He definitely has a lot of value. I think. I mean, definitely, it's it's tough to see Noah Juleson go. Um, you know, his first round pick only a couple of years ago, 2016, I believe. Um, you know, so he's he's still a a guy that has a lot of potential. We've seen when he's healthy, he really he ha- absolutely has the potential to be top four. It seemed like you know, obviously, he's dealing with a lot of injury. Well, I mean, basically the eye injury over the last two seasons. Um, you know, it's, it was basically a freak injury. And, and right before that injury, he was really starting to establish himself as an NHL defenseman. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate if he's healthy. I, I definitely think, you know, he's going to have a long career in the NHL uh, as a top four defenseman, I would say is, you know, as early as this season, if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be a huge addition to the Panthers for sure. So definitely sad to see him go, but you know, I mean, that's, that's, it is what it is. I mean, the Canadians at this point have so much depth, 
And, you know, I mean, that's that's what we're banking on going into this season. And I mean, that's, that's what happens when you have this much depth. Unfortunately, you're, you know, you're at risk of losing good players like this, good young players like this sometimes. So it is what it is. Um, I mean, and, and no, the, the, the point here is especially is that the it's, it's it depends where the, where the team is at in its kind of trajectory. Right. The, I, I think the way Bergeron looks at the Montreal Canadiens this year, and it's evident with the, all the moves he's made in the offseason, is that he's definitely in a win now mode. Right. He's he's spent to the cap. He made the moves he needed to make. He, he signed a bunch of players. He, he, he has only a, like a few prime years left on, on a guy like I mean, Weber is probably already out of his prime. But he's still a very good defenseman. But, you know, he only has so many seasons left. Carey Price is, you know, he's going to get out of his prime eventually, you know, so he's a, he's in a win now mode. And when you're in a win now mode, these types of decisions, you kind of have to go with a guy like Mete, who, even though he's only 22 years old, has 171 NHL games under his belt. And you can say what you want about him. He still has proven himself as being a serviceable NHL defenseman. And as it is right now, he's, he's probably going to be the seventh defenseman. And that's a fantastic seventh defenseman to have. Now, I would not, I don't think either of us would be shocked if, if Juleson ends up being a a long-term, a better player than uh, than Mete, but just it just made more sense for where the team's at right now to hold on to kind of the the surefire thing in uh, in in Mete. So, I mean, it's sad to see him go, like you said, and uh, it's going to kind of suck if he if he does blossom in uh, in Florida after he's kind of we've kind of taken care of him here in, in Montreal and kind of helped him get through the the, the injuries that he the, he has suffered. But at, at the end of the day, he's had such a tough rap. Uh, at the beginning of his career, I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, it doesn't matter if he even went to a, well, I mean, not a division rival this year, but once the, assuming the divisions go back to what they were a division rival in, uh, in Florida, but still, I mean, I, I wish Juleson all the best. And it's just one of those things. So many freak, it's a few freak accidents kind of derail the career and you kind of you have no idea what you're going to get from him. Right. So you got to keep the surefire thing in, in, in Mete, especially as the seventh defenseman, like, Juleson needs to play right now. Like, it, you, it doesn't make sense to keep him in Montreal on either the taxi squad. Well, he he couldn't go to the taxi squad because of the waivers, but just keep him in the press box, right? There's there's no way he was going to play as a regular top six defenseman on this team. And what he needs for his career right now is to play. So I'm I'm hoping in Florida they, they picked him up to play him. But I, what's interesting, though, is that Bergevin said in, in an interview that because uh, apparently they know who puts in claims for, for players – uh, and Florida, the only team that put in a claim for, for, for Jolson. So I, I would guess from what you said with the, at least three teams having interest in Mete, uh, one of the, the things that probably made Bergen make, make his decision here is that he thought he had a better chance of holding on to Jolson than he did Mete. And he sent Jolson, but then one team did step up and, and we lost him. And like you said, it is what it is. And it just speaks to where the team is in its development and the depth that we have now. No, well, exactly. I mean, you know, they had to send one of them down and, and Victor Mete, I mean, like you said, Juleson at this point, he's barely played. I think he's played eight games in the last two seasons. It, like you said, he has to play. Um, you know, he was never going to just be the seventh defenseman for the Canadians. Um, Victor Mete is, is a better option as a seventh defenseman because he's comfortable playing both sides as well, which which definitely yeah. you know goes a long way into him being an ideal seventh defenseman. He's a cheap option. First of all, he's making... Yep. If not the league minimum, he's very close to league minimum. I know he's a, the least paid player on the Canadians, yep. so he's a perfect, perfect option as seventh defenseman. And yeah, so I, I mean, I think when they sent him down, they were hope, hoping that because of the injuries, no one was going to claim him. 
and you know Florida was the only team to step up and of course I mean that's where you know our our ex um, well Shane Shirley who used to work with the Canadians and had a big say in him getting drafted by the Canadians he's with the Florida Panthers and that's you know pro- probably why they picked him up because they obviously have a lot of confidence in him and and confidence that he can bounce back I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, right, when you make that connect, connection there. So, I mean, like I said, wish him all the best. I hope he uh, does well. But the, the other other notable players that the Canadians had go through waivers uh, recently with both the most recent signings that at the time people were talked about as being taxi squad players. Now, we talked about Corey Perry last week as people were talking about him as maybe not being signed for to be a taxi squad player. But it's it's what happened. Both him and Michael Froelich. Uh, sent to waivers. Uh, I think I, I, you were kind of worried that Perry was going to get picked up. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, honestly. If you if you just look at what every team had go through waivers, so many, so many teams had, had players going through waivers, and I just think there wasn't that many spaces available. Teams just want their players going to, to the taxi squad and all that, and not that many guys got picked up. Perry was a bit of a risk. I mean, you never know. He's basically almost league minimum, uh, but I'm happy that he he's still on the taxi squad. Now, looking at the taxi squad, I mean, that's a solid, like we talked about it last week, it's a solid kind of like third line and bottom pairing defense on, on the taxi squad and a third goaltender in Lindgren. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, Paling, I mean, just your taxi squad right there is a pretty good line, having Froley, Perry, and Paling. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. You have Kale Fleury as well, who, I mean, finished the season in Laval last last year, but you know, he's a guy that, that it's played quite a, quite a bit in the NHL, still very young, 21 or 22 years old. Great future in front of them. I think probably what's going to happen, though, is that uh, the the AHL Laval Rocket, of course, they're going to be starting or they're supposed to be starting on February 5th. I'm thinking probably at that point, once camp gets started or once they're ending or getting close to the end of camp, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Paling and Fleury get sent down at that point. Just to I mean, that's a long much- ways away, though. I, I do agree yeah. with you. That would be the plan, assuming there's no injuries. But I would be shocked if there's no injuries or or something going on at that point. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if those players never make it to the AHL, honestly, just because of the reality of this season. It could be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, if, if, if somebody ends up getting COVID on the team or, yeah. I mean, sure, probably there's going to be injuries, especially when you're playing this many games in such a short period of time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they could very well stick, but I mean, barring any injuries or any, any freak things like that, then they'll probably get sent down. But Especially sure Ryan Paling, I think he's not someone you want in the press box if he can't be playing hockey. That's for sure. No, exactly. It's, it's not exactly you know he didn't exactly tear it up in Laval either. So you know I think he needs all the playing time he can get, um, especially at center where you know in Laval he'll probably be well potentially probably be the top line center I would imagine, and uh, you know get some power play time, some PK time. So he de- you definitely want to have him play as much as possible and well I would say the same is probably uh, or probably the same for Kale Fleury as well who could use some playing time as well. Now are any of these decisions surprising to you? I mean did we we talked about it a little bit last week how we kind of felt like this team was already set and this camp really didn't have any and, and many like decisions to be made. I mean some people talked about uh I mean the only one that I kind of would have thought maybe would have made the team or at least been like the the 13th forward is is Corey Perry but I'm not, I'm not that surprised. I mean, looking at the players that are on the team instead of these guys, I mean, I mean Paul Byron, yep. you hope, can kind of like have a strong year. He's had a lot of injury issues recently. I mean, some some fans talk about Lekkonen being on the like not having a place on the team. I mean, you need to watch more hockey because Lekkonen is a, yeah. a, a <laughs> huge player on the on this team. I mean, I mean Jake Evans, I, I like him better as as a fourth line center than than Ryan Paling. I mean, just 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 makes a ton of sense to me. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything, honestly. No, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think maybe at the beginning of camp, Paul Byron might have been a bit of a question mark, uh, but the way that he played in camp in the intra-squad games, I mean, uh, I don't think there was any doubt that he was going to make the team. He's one of probably one of the best players, actually. Um, scored two two shorthanded goals. Um, so, I mean, he looks like he's bounced back after dealing with the the, the concussion issues and the injury injury issues that he's had over the last couple of seasons. Um, so, I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see Corey Perry sent down, but, uh, you know, he's on the taxi squad now. And But, uh, yeah, aside from that, I mean, I don't think there was really any surprises. And like you said, I mean, anyone that thinks Lekkanen doesn't have a spot on this team yeah. obviously doesn't know very much about hockey. And and Paul Byron, if you're – like, the good camp of Paul Byron, that's bigger news than I think we're making it out to be because he's struggled a lot ever, ever since that kind of stupid, stupid fight at the end of a couple seasons ago where he felt like he owed it to – I forget who the other guy was, but he was, like – a foot taller than him, and he, he just got knocked out completely. It was such such a dumb dumb fight that really derailed his career for a little bit with concussion issues and uh, and all that. But before that, Paul Byron was an integral part of this team. I mean, it, it made a huge difference when when Byron was on the ice and playing well. The speed he brought to the team, what he did on on the PK. If he can get back to what he used to be, specifically on the penalty kill, I mean, yeah, you have him and, and, and Dan Oak killing a penalty together, and he or he's on the fourth or third line, just surprising other teams with with the burst of speed that like he used to do when 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 you're you're going up against one of the the, the weaker lines from from the other team. That can be a huge difference maker for for for, for the Canadians. So I, I'm I'm happy to see he's doing better and. I mean, Corey Perry, I feel like he, he was brought in in case maybe someone showed up to camp out of shape or didn't have a, a spot. But now having him on the taxi squad, that's perfect. That's exactly where I want – Corey Perry and Froley. Like, they're guys that can step right in because they're, they're veterans. Kind of like the same thing I we were talking about Mete, how because he has the 171 career game experience, you're not too worried about him stepping in after maybe having not played for, for a couple weeks. Same thing for guys like Froley and Perry who have that NHL experience and can just step in whenever whenever they're needed. That's exactly the type of guys you want in your taxi squad. So, I mean, I I I, I love those decisions on my end, and I I wouldn't change anything there. And the other most interesting thing, uh, what were you gonna say something? Or? No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's perfect. And I mean, I wouldn't be. I I don't believe Jake Evans has to go down through waivers if they were mm. to send him to the taxi squad. So I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I think Corey Perry, he's not going to be on that taxi squad for very long. I think he's going to be up and down. And Mark Bergevin said as well that he was going to do daily transactions to try to maximize the cap and you know just to, just to try to save as much money. Well, not save as much money as possible, but you know, I mean, try to save as much money on the cap as possible. Um, cause I mean, obviously they're very close to the cap. They're only about $700,000, yeah. I, I think $708,000 down or short of the cap. So he's going to do daily transactions. I'm sure you're going to see Corey Perry up and down a lot. He's, he's definitely going to play his, his fair share of games. Uh, for, for sure. And like we talked about, there's so many games and so little amount of time. I mean, there's, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be players that just need to rest honestly and just kind of like you're going to see a lot of day-to-day players with like a groin injury or things like that you're going to see plenty of that this season uh for sure you're rarely going to have a team that that's at 100 percent. like you you rarely do on a regular season and then this is this is a, an exceptional season on top of it and you never know how in shape players all are after such a a long time off and all that so i mean 
there's going to be a lot of movement that needs to happen with the taxi squad for sure. And, and, and for actually, me, the, actually another, another interesting point too, is that they're actually allowed to have six players on the, on the taxi squad and they only have five so that, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some of those young guys who don't have to go through waivers like Jake Evans. He's probably going to get sent back, back and forth like each day, basically. Yeah, man, that, that I, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. That, that that's a good point because why not, right? Why might as well use every kind of like tool they have uh, to because yeah. when you're this close to the cap, every dollar can help, especially if you get to the point where maybe you want to make a small move to maybe improve on that 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 fourth line guys. You know, if they're a competitive team uh, at the at the deadline, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a team that wants to to add kind of like that that like we talked about last week that Nate Thompson kind of fourth line guy that can win win the big faceoffs and kind of be more of a veteran presence instead of uh, Jake Evans. But uh, going back to to the camp, what's been the most interesting to me for going into the camp was for sure because basically. Before camp started, we've been predicting these lines since all these signatures and trades have happened, and it's been pretty set in stone what this team's going to look like. I mean, the big question mark was Romanov, and it seems like every single day I'm looking at like Twitter, I'm looking at whatever uh, uh, Habs blogs that I follow, and constantly some positive news on Romanov and some quotes from his uh, his teammates talking about him like he's gonna. He's already ready to step in. I mean, I I, I saw this tweet uh, from, and it's a quote from Ben Sherratt saying he looks wise beyond his years as far as defending goes. You can tell he's played with men before the way he closes gaps and uses his stick. He's pretty advanced for a 2021 year old kid. Uh, excited to see in, in game action. Like, sure, of course they're going to say positive things about their teammates, but you don't usually hear this level of constant praise coming from like about a young player. Just from every different every day, it's a different player on, on the Habs uh, at the Habs camp saying a nice thing about Romanov. So you don't usually see it being this prevalent. Like they don't have to say these things, or they'll just say kind of like generic comments that don't necessarily mean anything. I'm excited to really see Romanov. It sounds like we have we maybe we weren't overrating him. Maybe he's actually going to have a monster year for the Canadians. I mean, yeah, the, you love to you definitely love to hear every everything that that everyone's been saying about him. And, and, you know, I mean, a big thing too, every single day, pretty much he's the first guy on the ice yeah. and the last guy off the ice, yeah. which I mean, you know, from a, a 20, 21 year old, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see, you know, especially one of your top prospects. Um, you know, I mean, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely excited to see what he can do. You know, I mean, he's going to be starting or it looks like he's going to be starting on the third pairing with Brett Kulak. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, I think, the you know, the sky is the limit for this guy. I mean, and, and very quickly, I mean, we all know the Canadians don't necessarily have the the best lineup on the left side of the D. So, you know, he could he definitely has the chance and the opportunity to, you know, to step up into a bigger role if 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 he shows that he can take it. For sure, it's not that wild to think that he might be considered the best left-handed defenseman on the Canadians by the end of the, of the year, if you, if you ask me. I mean, nothing against Ben Sherratt or uh, Joel Edmondson. I mean, we haven't had a chance to really see Edmondson play yet. They're both very solid defensemen. They're not top-tier defensemen, right? I mean, I would expect Romanov, if it's not this year, in the next couple of years, to be considered the tep left-handed defenseman on the, on this team. And that and that has been the thing that's been my biggest complaint about how this roster is built for for years. It's it's been the biggest lack for years. And defense, having a, a like a defense that can move the puck and just play well in front of Carey Price is is so 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 essential. And it's been severely lacking on this team. And just adding one player, like more so than on offense, one 
top-tier defenseman that can eat up a lot of minutes can change your team completely. Because then all of a sudden, in all those big situations, you have an extra guy to play if it's not Weber on that day or if it's not Petrie on that day. Or maybe now if if a guy like Weber goes down to injury, not everything goes on Petrie's shoulders. You have someone else that can step in and play big minutes. And I think Romanov, from what, from what we're hearing, is going to be there sooner rather than later. And that can really, really transform the team for the better. Like more than anything else, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 obviously been a huge hole for the Canadians ever since Markov left, uh, what, four or five years ago now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's something obviously the Canadians have been sorely missing, something we've talked about on the podcast ever since we started uh, two or three years ago. So, I mean, obviously very – I mean, he's he's not necessarily there just yet, but, I mean, he certainly has the potential to do it. And, I mean, I, like I said, the sky's the limit for this guy. He definitely has the potential to be, you know, potentially as soon as uh, – as early as this season – be that top guy and and certainly playing with guys like Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber is certainly going to you know to, is going to help them a lot for sure. And uh, last thing I wanted to talk about before we go into the the our predictions and the the predictions from our listeners uh, the 31 thoughts from Freedom which is always really interesting to get some kind of inside information. Uh, once again, talked about Pierre Dubois, obviously, who now has signed a contract with Columbus. But it seems like the rumors are kind of saying that that relationship's kind of over, and he kind of wants out of uh, Columbus, regardless. And of course, I mean, even any top tier player in the last five, six years that is supposed to move, the Canadians are always talked about as being in the mix, and you can multiply that times 100 if that player happens to be French Canadian. So, of course, the rumors are that the Canadians are one of the teams that are in kind of front runners and basically what Friedman said is essentially that teams aren't messing around, that they they are making real offers when it comes to to Dubois and the Habs and Winnipeg were mentioned. He also mentioned that there's other teams that maybe we're not as familiar about. I mean, he's the type of player that's going to generate a lot of interest from multiple multiple teams. I mean, I don't think that we talked about it a bit before the podcast. I mean, I don't even know if it makes sense. Of course, he's a huge player for the Canadians to go get, but at, at, at what cost? And I can't see – I'd be shocked if a team like Winnipeg doesn't pay more than we're willing to pay, for example. you know. Well, I mean, it probably makes – I mean, I think they make a lot of sense too because, I mean, they have a guy, a great young player too that wants out, right, in Patrick Laine. So, I mean, even, even I'm not saying it's going to necessarily be one for one, but I mean, I think that trade probably makes a lot of sense. So I think he probably makes a lot of sense for uh, for Winnipeg. But as far as the Canadians go, I mean, aside from the fact that, uh, you know, he's French Canadian, that's, that's for, I, I don't think it really makes sense for the Canadians. I mean, if they if they wanted to get Dubois, it would take in all likelihood either Suzuki or Kakinyemi plus a couple of, yeah. you know, probably a couple of prospects and picks. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I mean, at Dubois, I think he has a ton of potential. He could be, you know, one of the, one of the top players in the NHL, maybe in a couple of years, but I'm not willing to give up Suzuki or Kakinemi. I mean, maybe straight up, maybe I'd, I'd, I would think about it, but, uh, you know, I'm not, it, obviously it would take one of those two guys plus probably a guy, maybe even a, a guy like Romanov or Caulfield, Gooley, a top, uh, you know, first round pick. You're probably looking at like uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, and a and a first round pick, something like that. I mean, is I mean, that something Suzuki really alone for me at this point? As much as I love Kudkinyemi and we love talking about him here, if it if it's has to, if it has to happen and it's one or the other, 
Like I'd, I'd rather use Kotkaniemi at this point. I, I don't even know if it would be uh, enough to go get uh, Dubois, but like Suzuki, I have no interest in moving Suzuki. I, I, I see so much potential. I think we all do. Of, of not just being a great player, but just the type of player that you build your team around. Like we're, we're not talking about who he plays with. It's more about like who gets to play with him, right? Because he... He seems to find chemistry with everyone. He seems to make other players better. He's responsible defensively. He's, he's, he keeps getting better at, at the faceoff circle. He, it just there's no situation where I want to get rid of Suzuki. I mean, we we got extremely lucky with Suzuki because the Canadians actually wanted Cody Glass in that trade, and then the Golden Knights said no. Yep. Yeah, that, that worked out pretty good for the Canadians. <laughs> that worked out amazingly for the Canadians. Uh, I there's very little I would want to move. I just and I just love watching him play. I just there's something about we've waited so long to see him t- take a take a like a prime time role on the Canadians. I want to see that play out. I don't want to move him now when it's the time to happen. And who knows what kind of potential kind of personality issues Dubois has like you never love to hear it when a, such a young player already wants to move on from a team I mean it might be the, a, more of a Columbus issue he's not the first player to want to leave Columbus but it's just I I would not want to move Suzuki for him no way no way no way no way no exactly I mean and even cooking I mean you know I mean I'd obviously Dubois right now is better than cooking I but and, for sure you know but I mean but you know I think cooking definitely has a boatload of potential as well but yeah, it, I mean that's the thing. It's not just going to be straight up. It's going to be you're going to have especially to have with Kakiyemi. It's going to be plus plus with Kakiyemi, and exactly. th- then you're trading Kakiyemi kind of like uh, at a disadvantage, right? Because he, he's probably undervalued right now because he he got sent down last year and he maybe had some struggles and all that. So it, I don't think you're getting fair value. I mean, of course we would both take Dubois to, if the, the trade is right, but if it means losing one of those player two players plus adding some of the top prospects, I just don't think it makes sense for the Canadians, like you said. Uh, and I don't think Columbus is going to be in any hurry to trade him no, either. No you way. Know, I think they're going to take their time. Uh, you know, they're they're certainly in no rush. And uh, I mean, I think I think trades, you know, especially with the whole COVID thing, are going to be a lot more complicated. Especially when you're trying when you know you're making a trade with a, a team in you know Canada and the U.S. It's going to be really complicated. Um, you know, because of quarantine and all that. So I mean, no, I I, I, I definitely don't see it happening. Uh, so I, mean, I, th- I think we agree there, but like I said last week, um, I look forward to talking about the Dubois rumors for the next six, seven years on the podcast because I don't think it's going to end uh, a- a- anytime soon. Until he's a free agent and then signs with another team, maybe then the rumors will stop, but even then they'll probably continue. Uh, it was the same thing with Le Cavalier. I mean, if it's a top French-Canadian player, I mean, it's going to happen. The only guy really that hasn't had that many rumors coming to the Canadians, I think it's just because he's been kind of clear about never being a Habs fan growing up was uh, Patrice Bergeron. Like there's never really been that many rumors around him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like a lifelong Bruin, but aside from that, every French Canadian seems like always these rumors and these rumors. And it's just annoying. Just, <laughs> I mean, I guess it did. It panned out with Drouin though, because there's plenty of rumors before it happened and it actually happened. Well, I mean, eventually, you know, uh, even even a broken clock is right twice a twice oh, a day, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> for sure. I mean, the one thing that does worry me is that at what point? Like, I don't think I think we have a pretty good ownership in, in uh, Montreal that doesn't get too involved. But there is um, kind of a, a, some business logic, you know, because we like to to criticize the whole like oh we shouldn't care about the French Canadian players on the team and all that. But just look at all the commercials that and all the the reactions in smaller towns that the French Canadian players that do play for the Canadians do have 
it's real. It, it is real, and it does make business sense if, if if that's all you care about, even over wins, to go get French Canadian talent for uh for, for for the Canadians. So you you would hope that there's no pressure coming to make a move to go get him, be the because that's when you make bad moves, right? That's when you make moves when you overpay for uh, for a player. So I hope that's not what's happening there. Yeah, but, but uh, I, I don't think so. I agree with that, but I think uh, you know, uh, I think the Canadians are going to do a lot of winning this season. And I think that's going to cure a lot of uh, a lot of people's complaining. Exactly. If the Canadians are winning, it doesn't matter that there's quote unquote not enough French Canadians on the team. Um, so I, th- I think that does it for the news. Now let's get, let's get to the prediction. I think before we get into ours, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the the the, the fan predictions uh, we uh, the listener predictions we got on uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, for, first one uh, I have here, and that th- uh, today I'm reading the prediction, so Dustin doesn't have to get confused going between apps because he's on his phone right now already because, of course, we're both quarantining uh, for the podcast. So from Kevin Rogers, who is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a uh, fairly consistent uh, contributor for his questions uh, at the house from correct? Yep, yeah, definitely. Uh, Kevin Rogers always uh, asking us questions for the podcast, so so he had uh, he had a couple. I think he had one prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we definitely appreciate. So the prediction is gonna say we were just talking about it. Gonna say Drouin, uh leads the team in points if he stays healthy. And it's a big if. Uh, playing with Suzuki and Anderson on the top PP line uh, should give him a lot of opportunities. And with the go halves go, of course. So. I, I don't I don't hate this prediction. Uh, it's it's arguably a bold prediction to see Dewey leading the team in, in points. I think we'd all, all love to see Dewey finally hit that potential. Do I think it's going to happen though? I, I don't think so. What, what what do you think? I think it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's a big if. You know, if it, it, I mean, we've we've been waiting for him. You know, to to sort of put it all together ever since he became a Canadian. Um, I, but man, I like, that's, that's a really good first line, like him, Suzuki and, and Anderson. I mean, the way that Anderson has looked so far in camp, obviously it's a short, it's a small sample size, but man, that, that's a really dangerous line. And if the Luang can't stay healthy, honestly, I, I think it could happen. I think the Luang could be the top, the, the top point getter on the team. And, and actually, to, to be honest, I think he will be the top point getter on the team. I don't think it's going to happen. I do agree that he, it's it's a fantastic line, but the reason I don't think it's going to happen is as fantastic as that line I believe is going to be, and I do believe that that line, if it stays together and finds the chemistry we're hoping it finds, will end up being our the, the Canadian's top scoring line. But I don't think on that line he's the top scoring player. I think that's going to end up being Nick Suzuki. I know it's only his second year, sophomore years for for Suzuki, but the, that line's going to go through him. And how he does, he's not going to be the top goal scorer on the line necessarily, but I think he's going to have the most points because he's going to be setting up those two guys left and right. Uh, I, I could see Suzuki leading the team in scoring, which might be kind of crazy on only his second year. But, I mean, it, it's it's not like the, the top scorer last year was Tatar with 61 points. So it's not that crazy of an ask to be the top scorer on this team. No, well, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that that whole line—they're definitely going to be the, the, you know, the the offensive catalyst for sure. That line, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be pretty close. Suzuki, Dubois—they're they're both and and Anderson as well. They're going to all three of them are going to put up quite a bit of points this season. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll all be pretty close, but but I think Dubois is going to have a great year. Suzuki, Anderson—I mean, that that line is going to be. It's gonna be fire this season for the Habs. I I, I really think so. I really think, I just don't. As far as predictions go, I don't think Dwayne's the number one guy on that list. And especially just given his like history, he I know he said if he stays healthy, but I just don't know. If, I mean, Dwayne's not the type of guy that you really see play uh, all fifty six games this year. I, I don't think. I don't think at least. So, um, 
I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'd, I'd love it to be true. I, I, I hope I'm wrong because if I could choose who I want to be the top scorer for the Canadians, I'd love for it to be Dwayne because you want it, you want him to take that step. And we saw it last year when it, he started off very strong. Confidence plays a huge part in how well Dwayne does, and it's part of the reason why he can be so inconsistent. But part of me wonders if he has that one monster a year, will that kind of take? a bit of a monkey off his back where he can be confident and not worry so much about maybe going on a five game stretch where he doesn't get a point. Right. Because it, it really does seem to affect him when he's on those bad stretches uh, as, as far as producing goes. Yeah, no, I uh, mean, definitely. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe playing with a, a, a big guy like Josh Anderson, who's not afraid to throw around the body. I think, you know, that, that could potentially open up some space for him and Suzuki. And, and I that's think- true. You know, I, th- I think that'll be a big help for sure as well. And I mean, Suzuki too. You know, he's a good setup man. I mean, no, man, that, that just, makes a lot of sense. It's a perfect fit for him too because the the offense doesn't need to run through him. I, I think that's the thing that we expected from from Dwayne when he showed up on the Canadians, but we didn't realize was that was maybe a mistake, right? Like he he's a great player with a lot of talent. Uh, like like we've talked about consistency issues. But not necessarily the guy you want the offense to run through on on, on his line. He can have some flashy moments. But he he does better kind of if more as like playing along with the other plays. Like Suzuki is more the one that's going to be like the playmaking guy, and like you said, Anderson being the big body, and that's a fast line too. A lot, a lot of Anderson is surprisingly fast for his size. He, he, I'm excited to see him play a real game for, for the Canadians. Oh yeah, I can't I can't wait till tomorrow. I mean, yeah, Josh Anderson. I mean, it looks you know obviously it's only camp. Uh, you know, it's only been uh, you know a couple of games and that, but. I can't wait to see what he can do in a real game. And, and, and he, if he's healthy, man, that's going to be an amazing acquisition. And he's got so much to prove, right? It's it, it's not like he, he, he got he got his big contract, and but it's not coming off a big year. And sometimes you see those types of players when they have a lot to prove. I mean, it can go two ways, right? It can either go the way where he's trying to do too much and it kind of hurts his game, or he really put the work in and he shows up ready to go and, and has a monster year. I, I, that, I, I do think that line's going to have the the the... the it's going to be the top scoring line for this team. I, I, I do believe that for sure. Yeah, definitely. So the, the next prediction we have is coming from Brian Wild. Now, of course, if you follow uh, at Brian uh, at B Wildman MTL on Twitter, is frequent, uh, constantly tweeting about the Habs. Um, his prediction: second in the division. Uh, it doesn't mention who he thinks going to be first, but second in the division to Foley, the team leader in goals, and Byron traded to open up some uh, some cap space. So first of all, second in the division, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'd love to see them winning the division. But I think second in the division is maybe more of a more realistic kind of safe uh, bet. I mean, safe. The division is going to be wide open. It, it, you go on one five-game streak where you the, you go one and four, and then you're going to have a hard time getting out of that. It, it's it's such a unique year. It's so hard to predict things, honestly. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know most people are most people are expecting Toronto to win uh, to win the division, and you know at least in the regular season, which. I, I would probably agree with, but yeah, I mean, I think the Canadians finishing second is, is very realistic. It's very doable for the Canadians. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a good prediction. I think that's, what's going to happen. Uh, it's them finishing second, uh, Tyler to Foley getting the most goals that I'm not too sure, but I mean, I think he, he'll put up quite a few goals, but 
Especially I mean, that's the, not that the, crazy though. That's not that crazy because he he can score twenty goals. He can definitely score twenty goals, and it's not like there was only two players on this team scored. I mean, I know it's not going to be twenty goals this year, but you know what I mean, like like twenty twenty goal average. Only Tatar and Gallagher had twenty two last year, but I guess that was actually a shortened season, so they were averaging closer to almost thirty. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's but it could happen. I think it could happen. It depends if he gets that. That means Kudkinyemi has a monster year though because he's the one passing him the puck yeah i mean well i'd love to see that for sure but i mean you know he's gonna be on the third line uh again i think anderson maybe gallagher one of those two are gonna be the the top scorers for the canadians in my opinion what i love there is you've named players on playing on three different lines yeah that's true there's so (laughs) much there's so much depth on this team at at any given point we're gonna have like aside from the whatever eight nine minutes of, 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 of ice time the fourth line usually gets on any given night you're always going to get one of the three guys who are arguing might be the top goal scorer on the team it, to have like how do you plan to defend against this team right the, the, the all those teams that have that, that one shut down line sure shut down one of those uh, our lines I don't know. You pick which one you want to shut down, and we'll go and score the other line. I mean, I, I, it, it, the depth on this team is just phenomenal, honestly. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Tatar and uh, and oh fuck, who's the guy that I'm forgetting? Tatar, the other the winger on the second line. Uh, Tatar and uh, and Rouen. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, everybody can score on this team. Yeah, uh, absolutely know, I, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe Tyler Toffoli. You know, I mean, he's he's definitely a guy that scored quite a few goals in the past, but. You know, he's at least going to be starting on that third line. He's not going well, to be. Here's the thing. Once again, you love you love kind of putting labels on these lines. You know, you're still living in the past. There's no first, second, and third line on this team, really. I mean, it's on any given night. It's not a real third line. They're gonna they're gonna get their opportunities, right? Now, I don't necessarily think Toffoli is gonna he's gonna be the leading scorer, the goal scorer on the team. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I don't think that's crazy of a prediction. I definitely think it could happen, and it wouldn't be that shocking. He's a goal scorer. That's what he does. He he scores goals. That's why the Canadians got him. If you, if you watch his highlights, he can score from from anywhere. He he he, really, he could be the leading goal scorer on the team, but that's because it's a team that's not going to have a guy that's averaging a 50-goal season, right? We're going to have a bunch of guys in the same range, and I don't see why Toffoli wouldn't be in that range. And Then you just need to kind of go on a one-hot streak, and then you're the top goal scorer on the team, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it could could very well be. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you're going to have all three lines that are they can definitely score. I mean, it's going to be they're they're going to get relatively even playing time. The all three lines, and and we know even the fourth line can uh, you know is going to put up some goals as well with uh, you know Byron uh, Evans and Lekkinen and potentially Corey Perry. So yeah, it's going to be four lines that can score. And uh, I mean, Tyler Toffoli has definitely shown in the past what he can do. So it, it wouldn't be that surprising. And then his uh, his last prediction, Byron traded for some cap space. I mean, he, he's the player that probably makes the the most sense. I'd be sad to see Byron go, honestly. Uh, yeah, I've so always I, loved I him. Think, yeah, I mean, I think uh, pretty much everyone would be. I, I I think because of his contract, I I don't see him being moved. Um, you know, I I don't see the Canadians at the at the deadline being a team that's going to be moving players out. <laughs> They're going to be wanting, you know, probably. Want maybe want to get an uh, an extra player or two at the deadline. So no, I I don't think it happens. And it, it uh, again with the whole COVID situation, it's just going to make trading so much more complicated. And the thing uh, is, if they do want to move a trade a player to mo- make some cap space to maybe make another addition, Paul Byron does make sense. But like you said, it'd be so hard to move him. Unfortunately, I think the guy that makes more sense to be moved in that situation might be Joel Armia. Like I wouldn't want to move Armia, but 
He's slightly cheaper contract, but still 2.6 million, and he's a UFA at the end of the year. It's going to be a lot easier to find someone uh, that wants to take on that contract. But then again, does it make sense? Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be that many moves. The one move that I keep talking about that might be lacking for this team is that kind of steady fourth line center. But I mean, you don't really need to move a guy like Paul Byron to go get that, you know? No, exactly. So it, uh, no, I, I don't see it happening. Um... You know, we'll see, we'll see where the Canadians are at uh, around the deadline, but no, I, I don't see them moving any any pieces in Byron again and because of his contract's probably going to be a little bit harder to move. Though I mean, uh, again, in camp he's looked really good. We'll see, we'll see if he can bounce back from the injuries that he's had. Yeah, for sure, and I, I really hope he does. And uh, I, like you said, I'm really curious to see what what happens with trades. Like, are we gonna? We might not see barely any trades uh, this year. Uh, which I mean, I, I don't hate for the Canadians. I love the, the the way the team looks right now, honestly. Exactly. And the yeah. the depth is there to cover for injuries if they do happen. Uh, so, uh, it it could happen, but I I honestly hope it doesn't. I hope he just bounces back and kind of. I don't expect him to be the Paul Byron that came to the team three four years ago. But if he can still, if he can be, like just almost as fast as he used to be. And just kind of like on that fourth line, playing on the PK, that's a huge, 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 huge weapon to have for this team, I think. So um, moving on to the next one, the Habs Statistician Podcast. Friend of the show. Uh, we've both been on his podcast, so thank you for your questions. Uh, for Not your questions, for your predictions. So he's got two normal ones and one crazy prediction. Now, the first normal one, aside from the odd game or late game change, uh, the Dano line stays together. So basically he's saying that what has been the most consistent thing about this team will stay the same this year. I mean, not that crazy of a prediction. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And obviously talking about Dano Gallagher and, and Tatar barring injury, there, there's really no reason for them not to stick together, honestly. No, that, well, we've talked about it uh, you know, in a lot with well, the last two weeks. I mean, because of the short training camp, you want to have as much familiarity as possible. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it, especially to begin the season, absolutely that line isn't going to be touched. Uh, you know, you're you're definitely going in with that line. That line is going to stick together, unless you know an injury happens or unless they really play terribly for whatever reason. That and even that when it does happen, it they have been separated in the last few years, but they always end up like Julien always ends up putting them back together because they just and they have that kind of defensive responsibility too. Uh, they can score. I mean Gallagher and, and Tatar were the two top goal scorers on the team last year, right? So they can they can put the points on the board while being a consistent kind of like like you said they have the chemistry already. So it just it, it makes it's like a safety net for for Julien. It's been a safety net for for the team for years. And now with them not needing to carry the offensive load as much this year, hopefully, assuming the Suzuki line is as good as we think it, it's going going to be, then it kind of really makes it a lot easier for them to, to, to maybe play the, their more defensive responsibility roles and all that. So I, I do think they stick together for, for the long haul for sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't see that, see anything happen in that line. Uh, next prediction, Habs have the best goal differential in the division. I hadn't really thought about this before I read his prediction. I could definitely see that happening with the improvements the Canadians have meant to their defense. Carey Price, if if Carey Price is as good as he was in the bubble, I mean, watch out. And the offense has gotten so much better. I could definitely because everyone's talking about the Leafs being the, the the top of the division, which which I mean, obviously, is the most likely thing to happen. But the Leafs allow a lot of goals. They score a lot of goals. They let in a lot of goals. So they don't necessarily always have the best differential. So I, I, could, I like that prediction, honestly. 
No, I, th- I think it makes sense. I mean, you know, we've talked about the Canadians' depth. I mean, like you said, they, their defense is a lot better. Their goaltending has gotten a lot better now, too. Obviously, with, you know, Jake Allen being the backup, if Carey Price can play the way that he played in the bubble, I mean, he, the Canadians are going to be tough to beat whether you're playing Allen or Price in that. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a really good defense, and they're a team that all four lines can score. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's that tough of a prediction. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat Toronto. But like you said, I mean, Toronto is not exactly the best team defensively either. So, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, that's that much of a stretch either. And then the crazy prediction, bold prediction time, he says, Either Sherratt or Edmondson wind up on the taxi squad. Now, I don't know about that, because first of all, they'd have to go through waivers to be on the taxi squad. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, I, I mean, who would come up in that case, right? I mean, no, I, I don't think that would happen. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he made that being a bold prediction. Um, no, I, I don't think it makes sense. I mean, I think... I can see I mean, Sherrod falling it, off a little bit from last year, maybe yeah. not look as good as he did last year, but that just means him playing, like maybe swapping with like Romanov, right? If Romanov like has has a great year, but the, the thing is, is the, the, the Canadians have we've complained about how weak the left side is for years for a reason, and I don't think Mete is the one's going to step in for those guys, you know. And so who else is it going to be? Like Flurry? Like I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't. I don't necessarily think that makes a uh, makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you know, maybe they'll sit out a couple of games. You know, I, I mean, Mete of course is gonna is gonna get some games. So yeah, you know, eventually Sherrod will sit out maybe a little bit. Edmondson I think will sit out a little bit as well. But now nah, I can't I can't see either one of them going onto the practice squad or sorry not the practice squad the the taxi squad. All right. So next predictions we have. Anthony Marcotte, of course, Marcotte, who was a guest on the show a few months ago uh, at this point, he, he, he actually talked a lot about the uh, – he works with, uh, with with the Rocket, right? So gave us yeah. some Rocket yeah, he's predictions. The voice, uh, yeah, he's the voice of the Rocket. So, yeah, he predicted the – well, first of all, the Rocket would finish second in their in the all-Canadian division, only four teams there in the, uh, in the Canadian division. Uh, you know, he he did say that you know he was a little concerned about uh, about the, their lack of talent. I mean, I don't. They're probably not going to be a super strong team this season, especially if Paling and uh, and Flurry are up with the with the big club. And obviously, they're going to have some good goaltending. They have okay scoring, but uh, their defense is is not great. I mean, yeah. it definitely it's going to get a boost when uh, when Flurry. Uh, assuming Fleury goes back, um, I wouldn't be too surprised to see their captain uh, Xavier Ouellette get called up at one point. And aside from that, it's really a bunch of question marks. I mean, they have Josh Brook, who, you know, he's had had his ups and downs for sure. Otto Liskin has been a reliable defenseman for uh, for the Rocket, but aside from that, they have a lot of guys that are basically on AHL contracts. So it's uh, it could be a tough season, and I think Caden uh, Primo is probably going to see a lot of rubber. But it's so weird. As weird as the Canadian division is in the NHL, a four-team division. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, like it, yeah. it, it's a bit odd. You can have some crazy rivalries happening with this. You'd think, and uh, how do you even predict a four-team? Uh, like they're only playing each other, right? Like what's it, it, that's very, very, very weird. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Well, I, already they already play uh, their well, the, the Toronto and Belleville are, are pretty close, obviously to Laval. So they they actually already played like That's twelve true. games a season anyway. So it's basically <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, they play each other a lot anyway, but they're probably going to have stronger teams. Toronto's a pretty good team. Belleville's going to be a really good team. Uh, Manitoba, probably not so much. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for the Rocket. I mean, whatever. It is what it is this season. We just want to see, uh, see our young guys get some playing time and get some experience. Exactly, exactly. And uh, then for his uh, uh, NHL predictions... Uh, he actually sees the Canadians. So this is in French. I'm just translating as I'm reading. He sees the Canadians finishing first, uh, followed by Calgary, Vancouver, and Toronto. So Winnipeg, Ottawa, Edmonton out of the playoffs. Canadians first. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that. That is certainly a bold prediction. Um, I mean, I think Toronto are going to be pretty tough to beat. I think. Now, I don't know if he's giving them an order though, because the way he wrote it down, it's because that he he wrote the the AHL ones in, in order. The way he wrote these down, it's like he has Toronto in fourth. Now I don't know if that's what he meant, but that would be very bold. That would be bold. <laughs> no, but I, I think uh, well, I don't have the have it in front of me. But I think uh, what he was saying was that the Canadians are going to finish first, and the other three teams not necessarily in that order. Okay. Um, but that he did see the Canadians finishing first, which which I think is a pretty bold prediction. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, that's I mean, he's obviously relatively connected with the Canadians organization, so I mean, I guess he uh, that's a good sign if he's if he's uh, feeling positive about the Canadians. So. I mean, they definitely have a have a good team. You know, we'll see what Toronto does. They obviously weren't great in the bubble last year, uh, so uh, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, a pretty bold prediction, and hopefully, hopefully, he's right. But what, what's interesting also to me is, is is as I'm wondering, are are we kind of underrating the the Western Canadian teams that we d- didn't see as much uh, play last year, right? Because like Winnipeg out of the playoffs, I mean, Winnipeg hasn't been a bad team in the last few years, but at the same time though, if you look at the, like last season specifically, the East was a stronger conference than the, than the West was, right? So uh, even though we, and when we were younger, it was always the, the opposite, but it was kind of, it kind of changed this year. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see, and uh, here's the thing: Ottawa is not easy, exactly going to be an easy matchup either, right? Like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it's not like their their games are going to be a walk in the park this year. And besides, the Canadians lost all games to Detroit last year, so they're entirely capable of losing to a bad team. Uh, it's uh, it's so hard to make predictions. It's really, really so hard to make predictions this year. Like, who knows how it's going to go, really? Yeah, well, I mean, like we've said, especially. You know, with 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 just, with a, a shorter season, I mean, you, know, you 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 go on a four or five game losing streak, and you know you could basically be out of the playoffs pretty early. So yeah, it's it's going to be tough to predict. But I mean, I think you know the Canadians, if they got off to a good start, if you know if, if their players play to their potential, if all four lines play like they should, then I mean certainly, and if Carey Price plays the way that he did it last, well in the playoffs, yeah, exactly. Then, uh, and we keep talking about the depth, and depth really should be what is kind of what most important in this format, right? It, it It's really what should bring the Canadians uh, over the top in, in this format. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to win the division, but I, I like these I, – I'm loving that the, the last year, I think you were the only one that had uh, was optimist uh, as far as predictions go, and you, you were pretty wrong. Uh, but this year, most people seem to be optimistic. It's it's uh, it's good to see. And, uh, next are the predictions we have. Etienne Ferlin. Etienne Ferlin, of course, another one of our uh, loyal listeners, always giving us uh, some questions on uh, Twitter. So his first prediction, Suzuki will establish himself as a number one center by the end of the season. Now, I, I 100% agree with this prediction. I, I I can't wait to see how Suzuki does this year. I do not think he has any sort of sophomore slump at all. 
No, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, I think he looked like, uh, especially near the end of the season, he looked like a veteran out there. So, yeah, I, I don't expect him to have any sort of sophomore slump. You know, I think he he's looked pretty good in the camp so far. So, yeah, I, d- I definitely think that that's uh, definitely realistic. I think that's what's going to happen. I think, you know, especially he's going to have two. I mean, last year he he didn't necessarily have the best line mates, but now with Gouwe and Anderson, I mean, he's definitely got some weapons beside him, and I think he'll exactly. definitely take that that next step. Exactly. I mean, the, the, he he has players with him. Like I, I was watching a. Um, uh, actually, I should I should send this to you. There's someone on the subreddit on the, for the Habs that made this. Uh, he does it every year, and it's it's it was a recap of last season, going through the storylines and kind of adding to the video, kind of what people were saying while it was happening. It was a hilarious video, but it reminded me of some of those beautiful plays Suzuki made uh, early in the year. He didn't get to play always, like you said, with the best line mates. Now that he gets to play with guys like Josh Anderson and Dwayne, if he can develop some chemistry with those guys, forget about it. Forget like like I said before, I think he might end up being the top scorer on the, on this team, the point getter on this team. So uh, next prediction for Etienne was Habs will finish second place in the division. Uh, he says yes behind the Leafs, so he didn't give the full standings for the Canadian division. But Leafs first, Habs second. It, that's what the odds say. Also, if you if you're someone who likes to gamble on this type of thing. Seems to be a popular kind of uh, prediction there. I, I, it makes sense to me. Second, it's very realistic prediction, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, that that's sort of my prediction as well. I mean, I think, you know, everybody ex- basically expects Toronto to finish first, at least in the regular season. And then, you know, the Canadians uh, sort of right behind them. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's pretty much the consensus uh, amongst fans at this point. I think that's a good prediction. I think that's probably where where they'll end up finishing. I don't think the Leafs are going to finish first, honestly. Everyone seems to be so confident in the Leafs finishing first, and there's just something about that team. And it's not even just an anti-Leafs bias. Like maybe it's a little bit an anti-Leafs bias, but it's just there's something about they just I don't know they they're they're good at failing, you know. Like it's <laughs> I just I could just see them not handling the whole the the like the the different season, the whole confinement, and all that. And we've talked about how important depth is. I mean, the Leafs have built a team that is the opposite of depth. They're very strong at the top, but no depth. So a couple of injuries to this team, and it could really derail the season. So I don't know if they're necessarily a shoo-in to finish uh, to finish first. And I don't necessarily mean think that means the Canadians finish first. I just think any of the teams outside of Ottawa, any of the teams could realistically finish first. Like it's not, it wouldn't be a crazy thing to happen. I have some that I think are more likely than than others, but. I'm definitely not – I wouldn't be shocked if the Leafs finish first, but in, in no way am I kind of confident that they're going to finish first at all. No, I mean, it's definitely not a slam dunk. Uh, I mean, for sure, you know, they're, they're definitely a team – I mean, like you just said, they're they're basically the opposite of the Canadians yeah. uh, where they have, you know, high, very high talent uh, or high-end talent at the top that are uh, the top of the, uh, the lineup. But aside from that, I mean, they really have very little depth. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it def it definitely could happen. You know, they obviously have a history of choking, not necessarily in the regular season, but certainly in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, if they have one or two injuries uh, to some of those top guys, then certainly, I mean, they could very easily fall off really fast. And then the last prediction for Etienne: Hams will make the conference finals, uh, which means they win the the division essentially, right? Because the playoffs will be within the division. Uh, also, the the top four teams will play each other, so it means they would be the team to come out of the division in the playoffs to be the uh, the Canadian representative. Yeah. I, I I like that too. 
I think it's very realistic too. I mean, uh, you know, especially again, if Carey Price is in the form that he was last uh, in the playoffs, I mean, definitely they can do it. I mean, they have now they have the scoring, they have some pretty solid defense as well, and and maybe the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. So they're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be a nightmare to play against. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's very bold. You know, that bold of a prediction either. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but uh, I definitely think it's possible. And it's one of those things where. It, uh, once you make it to the playoffs, right, it's, it's just within the division. At that point, there's going to be crazy, like, kind of rivalries from the season uh, between, between the, 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 the division. Uh, it's really going to be one of those things where anyone can make it out of it. And you just look at who's kind of performed, who who has the players that can perform in the playoffs and all that. And you just look at how the Canadians performed in the bubble, right? They had no business do, do, doing what they – beating Pittsburgh and then – they lost to Philadelphia, of course, but performed very, very well against Philadelphia. So they've shown that they can bring their game to the next level in the playoffs, and they've improved their team on top of it. So I'm almost more confident in, in saying that the Canadians. I mean, it's 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 far in the future, but if the Canadians make it to the playoffs, I'm almost more confident in saying that they would win the division than I would be in saying that they would uh, that they that they would win the playoffs. That they would finish first in the division. They, they're kind of they have the players. They have the guys like Price and Weber that really step up in the playoffs and, and make it happen. Gallagher. I mean, I was watching those those that season recap and just seeing Gallagher with a bloody mouth from the cross check and and but just just smiling through it. You just the Leafs don't have those players on their team. They just don't, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, the Canadians have have a lot of heart and soul guys like Gallagher, like Weber, like Price, like you just mentioned. And and yeah, Toronto doesn't isn't necessarily known for their heart or uh, you know stepping up in the big moments. That's for sure. So yeah, I mean, I think the Canadians. Uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely think they're in a good position to to make it to the conference finals. And uh, so then moving on to the next predictions, we have Costa Ronzokos. I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce your name there, Costa. Uh, another previous guest uh, on the show. Of course, thank you for the predictions. First one, another Nick Suzuki prediction. I mean, he's coming back. I think a lot of people are excited to see what Nick Suzuki can go can do this year. He says he's going to score at a point-per-game rate. I love it. Like I said, I think Suzuki's going to be the top scorer on the team, so... That would be 56 points, obviously, but you know, averages out over a full season to 82 points. I mean, I, I, I could, I could see it happening. That, that would be huge. I could, I could yeah, definitely see it happening for sure. I mean, I, I think that's, it's going to be a little tough to be point per game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's really not that many players in the NHL that are point per game players. But uh, I mean, if he can do that, then I mean, definitely the sky's the limit for the Canadians. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a point per game. I think he'll, uh, you know, he could definitely be the leading scorer for the Canadians. But, uh, I mean, maybe he'll be close, but, I mean, that uh, might be tough to be a point per game, I think. It's definitely a bit of a bold prediction, but 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 I like it. I, I like it. And if, if anyone can do it on the team, I do think it's Suzuki. I don't, I don't see any anyone else. Uh, I, I think he definitely has the, the best high-end potential, even just like this this year, going into the year. Because we have a lot of players that they know what they can do, right? They, we know that they're kind of more 50-point kind of guys, you know, some 40-point kind of guys. The guy on the team that might develop into being a point per game guy is Suzuki. Maybe maybe Kotkaniemi in the future. I don't think anyone thinks it's going to happen this year for Kotkaniemi, but I mean, I I, I like it. I, I could see it happening. I think he's going to be close. I don't think he's going to quite get it, but I think he's going to be very very close. Uh, next prediction, and I and I love this one. We talked about the power play last year and how that was a, such a huge problem for the Canadians the last few years. Uh, he says Habs power play finishes in the top ten in the league. Now top, he's not. 
being crazy here, just top 10. But this team has been one of the worst power plays in the league for for years. And I, I, I agree with him. And this is why this team is going to be so much better. Because the power play being better really is going to help this team so much. It's been such a huge problem in the last few years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if they can be a top 10, uh, you know, top 10 power play in the NHL, and for sure, I mean, they're, you know, will be one of the best teams, one of the, one of the most dangerous teams in the NHL. Uh, like you said, I mean, they've been bad for a long time, and a lot of that has been be- because, you know, Weber was basically the only threat, and they could basically just focus on him, but now we see, you know, I mean, the Canadians basically have two different styles that they play with their two different, uh, with the two, um, uh, power play units and both of them are extremely dangerous i mean you know having petrie and weber on the same power play unit man that's going to be that's going to be pretty dangerous and it's it's going to be sort of you know the other team trying to pick their poison you know who are exactly. you going to watch exactly the problem with the power play is it was so predictable now we have we were able to add unpredictability to the power play so i, I love this prediction and this prediction is why is is one of the main reasons I think why the team is going to be better this year because it, it's really special teams are, are crucial in, in the modern NHL. You have to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And there, there were so many blown leads last year that that the team could have been put away with a power play goal or or or, or, or things like that, you know. And it just it, it really makes a ton a ton a ton of difference because it's not just scoring on the power play. It's then if you don't score on the power play, if you have we've seen games last year where they, they, they two three four power plays before the other team gets one, don't score a single one, and then the team gets one power play and scores, it deflates a team. It completely deflates a team. And it, the impact goes further than just not scoring a goal on the power play. So it, it, I, I do think they're going to be a top 10 in the league, and I think it's going to be a huge, huge step for the Canadians. And then his next prediction, I think that's a fairly safe prediction. Carey Price, top five in wins. I mean, we think they're going to be a good team, and Price is going to play most of the games. So I think that makes sense to me. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know that he will. Cause I mean, I don't think he's going to play most of the games. You know, I think uh, he's probably uh, going to play maybe like between, you know, probably about 35 games. I, th- I think Jake Allen, probably the goal for him is to play about 20 games. So, you know, I think they're going to try to split it as evenly as possible though. I mean, probably a lot of teams are going to do that, but uh, I, I mean, I think the Canadians as a whole might be one of the top five teams in the NHL, but, but I don't know that Price will get top five wins. Here's the thing. Price, top five wins last year. He he was tied for fifth with, with Fleury at 27 wins. Obviously, we yeah. don't think he's going to play the same percentage of the games this year. I agree because the backup goaltending situation is so much better this year than it was last year. But the games that he does play, I, I believe his winning percentage is going to be higher than last year. So I, I see no reason why Carey Price would not be a, a top five win, like in wins this year. I, I honestly, I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Really? Okay. Well, no, I, I don't see it. No, as I think, you know, obviously, I mean, we all know what the what a circus the what a shit show really the the goaltending was last season. Well, when the backup goaltending was last season, that's why Price had to play so so often, and that's was a big problem last season. So I mean I think with Allen now he Allen's going to be playing a lot so I mean I think he's going to have a Here's the thing Allen I do think Allen's going to play a lot and Price is going to get more rest this year but I also think Carey Price wants to play you know cuz and if Carey Price goes to the coach and is like you're resting me too much I want to play more he's going to play more you, you yeah, know what well, I mean? And I don't think Carey Price necessarily wants to sit in the press box too, too much when it comes towards the end of the year and and, and the, the games are are crucial for the standings and all that so I think I think he's, he's, he's even though I do think Allen's going to make a huge difference and it's huge having that that backup there to, to help you. He's going to play more games. 
than last year, you're still going to see have Price play the majority of the games, and he's going to win a higher percentage of games than he did last year, I think. So, uh, I, I still think he ends up top five in the league. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll and, see. T- tandem situations aren't <laughs> unique to the Canadian. Like a lot of no, no, teams no, have no, competition. No, sure. You know what I mean? There's not yeah. that many goaltenders these days that play such a high percentage of, of of games for their teams, right? So. Yeah, well, especially this season. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's a tough call. I mean, he he very well could, uh, but um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. All right. So next we have. Now it just says Max. This is from your uh, Facebook chat. Can you clarify who Max is? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so so he's known on uh, on Habs Twitter for for writing a lot of memes. He's uh, he's pretty popular on Habs Twitter. What's the what's the at? Do you know by heart? Uh, yeah, it's a Woomax, so W O U M A X X, I believe. All right, there you go. So thanks for your prediction, Woomax. Uh, we got once again the first one. Suzuki leads the team in points. I mean, it's a common theme. Suzuki keeps yeah. coming back. I, I've I've said it a few times already. I think we I, like. What do you think? Well, like you you said Duhuay is a good chance, but I mean, everyone's saying Suzuki. I think yeah. I mean I think you know they're they're both uh, well that whole line I think is going to be pretty close, uh, and I think it could be any three of them or any one of the three. Now um, what's interesting? Very, yeah, Suzuki, it could very well be Suzuki. But then he says to fully score scores more goals than Anderson. That's that's a that's a little bit more more bold I would say, but. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, Toffoli definitely has a history of scoring goals too. Uh, but I mean, I think, but he's more consistent. I mean, Anderson had one goal last year. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean that, that's because of the injury, right? I know, but, I know. Uh, I know. You know, the way Anderson's looking uh, in camp, I mean, man, I, I'm just so excited to see him play. Oh, for sure. I, mean, I, I agree. You know, but the thing is, is the lines aren't set in stone, right? Like, there, there's, there's, who knows? Maybe in five games, all of a sudden, Suzuki Anderson's not working on Toffoli's playing with, with, uh, with Suzuki. You know. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I mean, I don't think I think they'll have very similar goal totals, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you know the the scoring is going to be pretty even across the three the top three lines. Um, I mean, I think Toffoli is definitely going to put his fair share of goals, um, but no, I think I think for me, Anderson is definitely going to be the the top. Maybe Gallagher, you know, those are going to be the two top scores on the team, and then maybe Toffoli the, third. It's a, the top goal, goal scores. Uh, I mean, I mean Tatar. What about Tatar? He was uh, tied for first with Gallagher last year. Yeah. You think he has a, a bit of a drop off this year? I mean, we've we've no one has talked about Tatar. He's like he's he's forgotten after having a monster season last year. I, I, yeah, you know he all well. I mean, since he's been with the Canadians, he's you know both seasons he's he's played really well. And yeah, I think he's a little underappreciated. Uh, I think everybody's just excited to see the new guys and and sort of overlooking Tatar. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely expect him to have a good season as well. Um, you know, especially he's going to be with uh, with his familiar line mates in Dano and Gallagher. But I, I what I think though is that the Gallagher, Dano, and and Tatar might see a bit of a dip in their production because I don't think they're going to be put in as many situations where the Canadians need a goal and that's who gets put on the ice. I don't think they're they're going to be in those situations as much. I think Suzuki is kind of good. whatever whoever's playing with Suzuki, his line is going to take over that mantle of being who's on the ice when a when a goal needs to happen and and the, and the one player that does get plugged in sometimes as kind of replaces is a Gallagher, you know, because we know how 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 clutch you can be in some situations and uh, or if you have an extra attacker or anything like that, you kind of want Gallagher on on the ice for you. So I mean, Gallagher's been the most consistent goal scorer on this team for years. So I, I still think he'll get those numbers. But Tatar, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bit of a, a dip in production. Still a solid year, 
but I don't think he'll be necessarily at a 60-point pace like he was last year. Maybe maybe fall out a bit closer to 50-point pace with uh, maybe slightly under the 20-goal pace, you know? Yeah, no, I think that I think that probably makes sense. Yeah, he's going to be relied upon a little bit less uh, than, than the last two seasons. But, uh, yeah, I think Suzuki... You know, and his and his line mates are definitely going to get the bulk of those of those, you know, the the minutes when they when they need a, a last minute goal for sure. And then the last one, uh, we haven't probably the least talked about acquisition uh, in at this camp. Joel Edmondson, he says, will turn out to be our sixth slash seventh defenseman by the end of, uh, of, of the season. So not a lot of love. Uh, for Edmondson, I mean, what he's basically saying is he thinks Romanov is going to quickly uh, surpass him on uh, on the depth chart, and then he's kind of on the. But that makes him below Kulak. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be a tough one. I mean, I think I mean may, I, I I don't think he's going to play all the games. I think you know Edmondson. I definitely think Romanov, and I definitely think Sherrod is better than uh, better than Edmondson. So I think definitely Edmondson at some point is going to fall down to that third pairing. And I definitely, you know, Mete is going to get his games. Kulak, I mean, Kulak, when he's on, can be a really solid defense. That's true. But he won't be playing with Petrie this year, is what it looks like. I mean, they might end up back together, of course. but I mean, It's going to be interesting to see what happens on that third pairing. You know, once Romanov really does prove himself, you know, at that point, I think Edmondson, Kulak, and Mete... Yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of switching around there. So, so it sounds I, I like think what Edmondson you're saying. Will be in the press box sometimes. He won't be six seven. He'll be five six seven. We're going to have the kind yeah. of like a bottom yeah. three that's going to rotate essentially. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's probably what's going to happen. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm excited to see him play. I, I honestly don't don't know much about Edmondson. Haven't seen much of him play. I mean, from what I've read about him, I mean, there's a, a lot of love for him and, and the, the the size he has and all that. But also, I mean, we've he could turn out to be kind of another kind of Carl Alsner for the, for the team. You, you never know. So, so time will tell, but at the same time, I, he, he's not being brought to this team with high, with like huge expectations of, of being like the, the, the top pairing left defenseman or any, anything like that. So I, I think he'll, he'll get the job done fine for what he needs, uh, needs to be. But I mean, it, it makes sense that I think most players are probably going to spend some games in the press box, but I I I'd like to I'd, I'd like to think he's gonna do do better than uh, than Kulak. I know Kulak has the advanced stats on his side and all that, but I just I don't know. I, I, at some point, part of me kind of wants to move past uh, Kulak as an everyday defenseman for this team. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, de- definitely expecting uh, you know hope hoping that Edmondson's going to. Uh, going to do a good job but i mean at the end of the day i think that's what he is you know i think i think he is a third pairing defenseman i don't think you want edmondson as your top two defenseman even in the no, top sure. four i think it's a maybe a bit of a stretch um you know i, I think on a on a good contending team that's what he is is a third pairing defenseman yeah absolutely that, that, i mean third pairing that can step into the top four if yeah. there's injuries or, th- or things like that you know um all right so next predictions we have evan once again, just Evan. Yeah, yeah Evan so, Shattenkirk. So he's uh, he's been on the on the on the uh, on the show before. He's a uh, yeah, big prospect guy. I mean, if 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 you guys are interested in prospects, definitely give him a follow. At Shattenkirk, uh, right? Great. Yeah, at Shattenkirk. 
I mean, that's amazing to me that he has, considering there's an NHL player and he has the, the app for it. You know, it's good, good for him. All right, so first prediction, another Tyler Toffoli prediction. So he says Tyler Toffoli asserts himself as the Canadian's most dependable and clutch forward. He's going to score big goals and perform on a near nightly basis. I mean, Toffoli does seem like he's kind of a clutch goal. If you watch his highlights from the last few years with the LA Kings, he scores in big situations. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that kind of you maybe don't see you seemingly don't see him for the whole game and then you remember Michael Ryder? You'd watch the games and it's like he wasn't there, but then you look at the box score and he scored two goals. Hey, I can see actually, Tyler. It's the same number as Ryder. He's seventy three, isn't he? I think. There, there you go. 73. There you go. There you I go. think it's going to be the same kind of thing. I mean, I think that makes sense. He's certainly flying under the radar. You know, everybody's talking about Anderson. Everybody's talking about Romanov. We all want to see Kakinami and Suzuki play. Uh, nobody's talking about Toffoli. So certainly he's he's going to fly under the radar. He's starting on the third line with Kakinami and Armia. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's a guy that's, he's proven that he can be pretty clutch. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. I, I definitely, you know, uh, a lot of people in Vancouver were sad to see him go, sad yeah. that he left. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's he's a little underappreciated right now or, or like I said, flying under the radar. But, yeah, I definitely think he could establish himself pretty, pretty quick. The fact that we have the luxury to be able to say that Tyler Foley is flying under the radar, it, it just shows how much this team has added in the offseason. Right. Because if, if let's say the Domi for Anderson trade doesn't happen. Uh, Toffoli is the only kind of move that happens in the offseason. Then there's a lot more pressure on Toffoli's shoulders. That's the main talking point everyone's talking about. What can this new new guy do? Can he be the goal scorer we need? But now we kind of have the luxury of not being too concerned about how Toffoli does and hopefully he just does what he d- did in the past. I mean, and, th- and that's good for the players too, right? Because there's always so much player pressure playing in Montreal. But you add all this depth to the team, the pressure kind of gets evenly spread out throughout the team. So... Uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I think he's under the, the the radar too for sure, and he's definitely a goal scorer. I'm telling you, he's gonna be like Michael Ryder for us. Just score goals when 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 you need him, and then you don't really see him the rest of the time except for that, you know. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, then we have Romanov and Kulak will find themselves both in the top four, meaning Kulak back with Petrie, uh, and Romanov with uh, with Weber. I, I don't think that's that crazy of a prediction, even though I just kind of. Shot on Kulak a little bit. I wouldn't be that shocked if he ends up back with Petrie because it seems like every year that's what happens. They just end up yeah, back I mean, together. They, yeah, they, you know they've had success in the past for sure. And I mean that's when Kulak has played his best hockey is when it was when he was with Petrie. Uh, so I mean I think it's possible. And they're advanced stats darlings, right? They they, they always okay. that that pairing always comes up in the the top pairings per the advanced stats of this and that and all that. Uh, like I'm not I'm not the most uh, kind of informed when it comes to advanced stats but i know kulak and petra always come up in those conversations i don't know how the how the third pairing is going to shape up at that point i mean i guess you'd have Sherratt and mete on the right side uh and edmondson out but uh i mean it's possible i mean kulak it's, it's definitely possible you know kulak uh, definitely i mean if he's on on the top of his game he's 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 had moments where he's been a top played like a top four defenseman and, and let's talk about romanov Playing next to Weber, I could definitely see that happening at some point this year, if he kind of performs like we hope he's going to perform. You want him playing minutes with Weber, regardless, right? Like that—that's that, a great, great like 
mentorship for uh, for for Romanov, right? Like you want him on the bench together, kind of going over what just happened and learning from Weber. That, that that that's good for his for his progression. And if he's good enough to keep up with Weber, you know, it's fantastic. I'd love to see oh, that happen. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is it going to happen this season? I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, we, you don't want to set the uh, set the bar too high for Romanov. You know, he's only 20, 21 years old. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely showed a lot of potential so far. And, man, if he if he does end up at some point in the season, I don't think it's going to happen right away. But, I mean, he has the potential to do it. And that would be certainly huge for the Canadians if he could be on the top pairing with Weber. And then for the third prediction, uh, it kind of goes with what you were saying earlier, uh, saying that the Carey Price won't be top five in a wins. Jake Allen finishes with comparable numbers to Carey, very similar to what we're seeing in Boston with Halak. Uh, Montreal finally gets the backup uh, they've been looking for all these years. So comparable numbers, so basically meaning that they're kind of kind of maybe split the starts a bit more, and that, that, that's interesting. I mean, it could it could happen. I just don't see Carey Price being okay with like he's still gonna want to get the bulk of the games, but as if we're just talking about save percentage goals against average and all that, I, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like Jake Allen's going to, we're not going to be worried when the backups and nets basically. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's the whole reason why they got Jake Allen is, you know, they want to give price as much rest as possible. And, you know, especially with this season, so many games in such a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's going to be the target, you know, for for Jake Allen to play th- uh, roughly 20 games and for Price to play the other 36. Yeah. I think that would be a great number. And uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a- Allen last year played really well. He put up great numbers. So, you know, I, th- I think they could have relatively similar numbers for sure. And, and that, that that's going to be another like like we talked about with the power play. It's been the two biggest weak points for the Canadians. So if, if Jake Allen can really step up and, and get, and get it done, it's going to be a, a huge improvement for this team. And it's, <laughs> you, you, Bergevin really showed confidence, right? Because he failed miserably with his last few signings at, at backup, but then he gets this one and then he, he signs him to an extension right away. So it really better work out for him, but I, I believe it will. And it, it's definitely going to end up being one of the, the most important acquisitions in the, in the offseason that, that we're really not talking that much about, but just because there's been so many different uh, acquisitions for uh, for the Canadian, Canadians. Uh, next, we have Marco D'Amico was just on the, the podcast uh, last uh, last week for the talking about the prospects. Always a great follow on Twitter also. So now we have first prediction. Once again, Suzuki leading scorer. I don't know if we need to talk too much more about that. We, I, I definitely agree with that. You're pretty close to agreeing with it too. Uh, so, I'll, I mean, now I'm worried we're too hyped for Suzuki <laughs> because uh, everyone seems to be excited for it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I love it. It's a good prediction. Then we have Habs finished top three in the division. I think we both agree with that. Top three. I mean, come on. It's not a prediction. Yeah, I nah, I think that's a pretty safe uh, safe bet. I hope at least. I mean, Yeah, I hope. Exactly. Exactly. Because we talked about how they have to make the playoffs, I feel like, this year. It's, there's four, four out of seven teams are making the playoffs in, in, in this division. It, so you can definitely argue it's the easiest division to make the playoffs in. The Canadians need to make the playoffs this year. And then he says Carey Price puts up Vezina numbers. Now that is what makes – if Carey Price puts up Vezina numbers, the Canadians are winning the division. Like if he plays comparable to he did in the bubble or he did in his best seasons, forget about it. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I mean, I think so. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, he, the way that he played in the bubble. I mean, if he can do that again, then I mean, that was definitely Vezina type work that he put up in the playoffs. And if he does that again, I mean, with the, you know, if if the team can play the way that they that they should 
on paper, then yeah, I mean, the Canadians could definitely win the division uh, and maybe even make a run at the cup. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And if it, the thing is with prices numbers, when then when they've gone down, it's, it's just, it's not just up to price, right? It depends on the team he has in front of him, right? And he has a better team in front of him. He has if Romanov is as good as as we think he's going to be, that like I said, he can transform the defense the defensive core completely, and then naturally the, his his numbers get better. And I'm getting too excited about this team just talking about it. I mean, they, if, if I'm going to be so disappointed if they don't do well this year. Like I, I, the last few years, it's been so easy. I've had zero expectations. Now I actually have expectations. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> Can't wait. No, I know. I can't. I also can't. Imagine tomorrow we play and we get completely destroyed by the Leafs. (laughs) I'd be so sad. All right. Now, we're almost done with the predictions. I got a couple more. Now, uh, Eric Engels. So, thank you, Eric Engels, for giving us some predictions. Of course, if you follow the Habs, you know about uh, Eric Engels, probably one of the, the best insiders for the team. So, he says Habs finished second in the division. So, I mean, like we've talked about, second seems to be a pretty popular Spot for the Canadians. Nick Suzuki leads the team in points. I guess that's not that it's not that much of a hot take. Everyone seems to think Suzuki's <laughs> gonna lead the team in points. And Romanov will be top four before the end of the season. I mean, I love hearing that from Eric Engels because we all want Romanov to be top four. He he he's watching, he's keeping a close eye on this team and he thinks Romanov's gonna be top four. I'd love to hear that. I mean that that's really what's gonna make a difference for this team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if, if Romanov can step into that role this season, I mean, that's, you know, that, that a lot of good things are happening for the Canadians at that point. And, you know, I mean, Sherratt and certainly Edmondson probably shouldn't be in the top four of a, of a team that, you know, potentially could, could make a run at a Stanley Cup. So, I mean, if Edmondson gets pushed down to that third pairing, I mean, that, that, he's that's really i think his his ideal role and then you know if romanov can really jump into that top two pairing or you know even a top four pairing and play with Petrie or weber and that and this is probably what bergman had in mind when he signed edmondson right he, he probably also sees edmondson as ideally a, a third pairing defenseman but he just kind of needed a stopgap because he believed romanov was sooner rather than later going to establish himself as a top four defenseman on this team so he didn't need to go get a true top four defenseman in free agency uh, or via trade because he had one coming up in, in Romanov. So Edmondson is just going to naturally slot into his uh, kind of like bottom pairing position, which doesn't make him a bad defenseman. I think we, we're in great shape if the bottom pairing of this team has a rotation of Kulak, Edmondson, and uh, and Mete, you know, so. Yeah, that's solid. Solid for sure. Uh, next, we have Marc-Olivier Baudouin. Uh, Makavi, another very uh, good contributor on Twitter. And when it comes to Habs, uh, Habs con- content, definitely give him a follow if you don't already. Now, I like this. I like this prediction because no one else has talked about him, even me, who is the biggest fanboy of him. Uh, breakout season for Jusperi Kutkanyemi. He's saying a 50-point pace in 82 games. So he's not even being that bold of a prediction. 50 points pace in 82 games is not that crazy. I, I hope we see this. First of all, partially because I I don't want a no, stupid fans start hating on him again, like when he's still only 20 years old or, or whatever, or comparing him to Suzuki. Who it's not because Suzuki's progressing quicker that Kakami is, is necessarily bad, but I mean, we know Suzuki's going to be good. We know what Dano can offer. If then on top of that you have Kakami on a 50 point pace, forget about it. 
Yeah, I really don't think that's that bold of a prediction. I mean, that's about getting uh, 35 to 40 points this season. So, I mean, I definitely think that's possible. Um, I definitely think, I mean, I think that's that's going to be what, what happens. I mean, you know, we talked about it last week. We thought that that well, was... Well, let's not forget he had eight points in 36 games last year. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean, that's true. But, uh, you know, he he obviously didn't play great last season. But then when he went down to Laval, he was uh, a point-per-game player. I think he had For 13 sure. points in 13 games. He got off to, a, a you know, not a great start when he played in Finland this season, but he finished very strong. He finished, I think, 10, 10 points in the last seven or eight games. So, you know, he's, man, and, and we saw what he could do in the playoffs last season. If he plays like he did in the playoffs – Man, I mean, he, I think he can easily get that 35, but 40 points. The one thing with Kakinemi, and we did see him kind of get a little rattled when he got that suspension, and then he came back, and he kind of – we talked about how we were a little disappointed that it, his game had kind of changed a little bit. Now he was kind of a bit scared to play. We're, we're, he's still very young, but we're seeing a little bit of what we've seen with, with Dwayne over the years with, with Kakinemi, where confidence seems to be uh, very important for him. But, Different situation because he's so young still. Um, but I mean, 50 points, you're, you're like, you're of course, it's not that crazy of a season to have, but it still would be a huge step for Kutkinemi to, to establish himself as a true kind of NHL player to, to put up 50 points at the 50 point pace. I, I really hope we see it, and I think it would be a huge accomplishment for him. So I definitely agree. No, I mean, uh, you know, if yeah, it was disappointing that in the last game, you know, like you said, after the um, after the suspension, he seemed to be a little little hesitant. But yeah, I mean, he's had an off season. He you know he played a little bit in Finland. I mean, hopefully, you know, he's going to be back to that to that feisty sort of player that we saw at the beginning of the playoffs. All right, and the last prediction we have here is from uh, uh, Marc Dumont. Uh, of course, another one that if you follow the Habs on Twitter, you you follow Marc uh, Dumont. So his first prediction, and now he doesn't say on uh, on pace like f- over an 82 game season. He just says Josh Anderson scores 25 goals. So 25 goals in in 56 games. It's about what about like? Let me do some quick maths here. So it m- must be close to. It's like a 40, so 40 yeah, it's 40, 44.6 goals. So 44, 45 goals is what he's saying. Josh Anderson is going to be on pace to score 25 goals in the shortened season. Now that, that is a bold prediction, but I love it. He thinks he's going to go from one goal and he's going to prove everyone wrong. He's going to show up with something, the chip on his shoulder, and he's going to score 25 goals for the Canadians. Th- that would make him the top score on the team, goal score on the team last year, and there was 20 more games last season. You know that that would be huge if Josh Anderson scored 25 goals for the Canadians. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold pred- <laughs> that's a pretty bold prediction. Uh, man, I, I think it's possible though. You know, he's definitely going to get all the all the chances in the world to do it. He's going to be on that top line. He's going to get power play time. He's going to, you know, playing with Nick Suzuki and the way. I think that's going to be an amazing line. Uh, 25 goals. I mean, that's a lot, but uh, I mean, I think 20 goals definitely. Is he going to get 25? Might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be the top scorer for the Canadians. I'm almost wondering, like, I wish I could ask him if he meant 25 goal pace when he, when, when he wrote the message. 
because that makes a lot more sense. It's, 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 and, and he describes his next predictions as his long shot predictions, and his next predictions are much more reasonable <laughs> than, than that one, if you ask me. Uh, but hey, I, I love it. I love it. The, Josh Anderson, 25 goals in, in 56 games. I, I, I hope we see it. I hope we see it. But the, the, the main thing is, is he, is he even going to play 56 games and all that, you know? But uh, hey, if we, if we just get, like you said, if he just gets. I think 20 goals, I'd be ecstatic. 17 goals, like whatever pace that represents, I'd be I'd be pretty happy, you know? Uh, so the next one, another power play prediction. Now he says, this is a long shot prediction. I don't think this is that much of a long shot. He says, power play will be in the top half of the league. I think with the, 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 the moves the Canadians have done this year, I would hope they would at least be in the top half of the league. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, they've had one of the worst power plays uh, over the last year or two, but uh, so maybe maybe that's why he's saying it's a bit of a no, stretch. it's fair. It's, it's fair. A big jump. But, uh, but no, I, I definitely don't think that's uh, that's that big of a stretch. And, you know, like we talked about before, I think top 10 is, is, is a possibility. It's a possibility. And top half is probably a bit more, more realistic, you know, between 10 and 15. But even that, the, the change from being one of the worst – uh, power plays in the league to being a, an average power play would make a huge. Di- you just the last few years the power play has been a, like a, a, a problem. It's hurt the team. We've made jokes about how well can we refuse the power play because it, they they they've almost played better five on five at times, right? So if it just becomes a serviceable power play, it'll it'll, it'll make a huge difference. And then next prediction: Jake Allen plays forty percent uh, of the games. So. Uh, that that's uh that that's not that that crazy. I mean, it all depends. I I do think there's something to be said about how how Price feels about playing uh, less games. But I mean, you seem to be on board with that the that that type of number, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely think that's uh, that's definitely realistic. I mean, I think you know if if uh, like I said, if Jake Allen can play 20 games, then I think that I mean that that, that that's ideal. You know, Price gets a little bit more rest and. You know, he, the more rested, like we saw in the playoffs, if he's rested, he can play. Uh, you know, he's he's a great, he's the best goaltender in the in the world. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that that's the thing that like I feel like last year when we were doing predictions, it all rested on Carey Price's shoulders, right? We all we, everything we were saying is we believe in Price, we think he'll bounce back or ha- or have like not that he was ever like horrible, we'll have a strong year, Vezina caliber year, and that the team goes through him. But 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 now like we're not even we're barely even talking about price. I mean part part of that is that we're kind of confident he's going to be good, and it's just there's more than just price to this team now. That 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 that's what make, I think makes me much more confident in, uh, in going into the season, because it's not all on Carey Price's shoulders, and he could potentially have an off night, but then the Canadians are still able to still win. Because you have, you, it can't be all on the shoulders. It's gonna happen. Every goalie has a game where he allows four goals. But then sometimes your team's got to be able to put up five goals. You know, it, 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 you got to be able to win some of those games if you're if you're gonna be a successful team in the NHL. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, definitely. You know, they're they're gonna rely on him a little bit less now. Uh, they can be more reliant on on some solid defense and certainly some scoring as well. So, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's gonna it's gonna mean a lot to Price. He's gonna be. Well, expecting you know we're not necessarily expecting uh, him to be stealing games every night, but uh, yeah, I mean I think the Canadians are in a in a great position here. All right, so that covers it for the predictions uh, we got. I mean I guess now all that's left a bit of a longer episode today, but I guess we're just so excited about uh, 
the, uh, the, the season coming up. But, uh, I mean, our predictions, we've, we've basically we've pretty much touched on them uh, already. I mean, I, I've already mentioned I think Suzuki's going to lead the, the team in, in scoring. I mean, as far as, like, just, like, wins goes, like, I was I was actually looking. I was doing some quick math before the podcast. I was, like, looking at the wins last – the Canadians had 31 wins last year in, in 71 games. And if you look at it now, you add a solid backup – in uh in Allen that you can easily get a couple more wins thanks to that right defense is, is more secure you watching the 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 recap for last season so many blown leads it, it, it was I had honestly I think I had blocked it out of my memory like the three four goal leads just blown leads I I just don't think that's something we're gonna see as much this year and both because the defense is better and there's more offense and th- those are just from looking at last year with the additions from this year, I could easily see six, seven, eight extra wins compared to the total we have last year, which then would make the team in a great position. Like the, as if they had like 39 wins instead of the 31 wins they did have last year. So I think we're going to see a huge jump in the standings. And the more I talk about it, the more I, I get the people predicting winning the division. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm ready to say they're going to win the division, but I'd, I'd almost be shocked if they were below second at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. My prediction, I think I think the Canadians are going to get off to a slow start. Because I think, you know, I've, I've said this before in the last week or two, that I think because there's so many changes on the team and they don't necessarily really have much of a training camp, that it, that it is going to hurt the Canadians a little bit. So I, I say they're going to get off to a slow start. First 10 games are going to be 4-5-1. and one. So they're going to be under 500 through 10 games, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but after that, they're going to catch fire. Uh, they're going to finish finish second in the division, and they're actually I, I say that they're going to win the division in the playoffs. So they're going to make it to at least the conference finals. I I, I love that prediction. I mean, you you mentioned this to me before we started the prop podcast, and I was like, at first I was kind of thinking I, I don't know, but looking at the team. At the, at the teams in the division, I think the hardest part is almost going to be making the playoffs because a lot can happen that you can quickly all all of a sudden find yourself self out of the playoffs. But once the playoffs start, the Canadians are the team I like in the in the playoffs. The way they're built and just the the the, the type of top end players that 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 they have. I just I, I I like it Canadians and something I forgot to talk about that we had the, the there was a the TSN poll that they they pulled 22 um like uh, head office workers or whatever around the NHL uh, front office staff around the NHL and a a, a few team uh, it was four of them had the the Canadians making it to the Stanley Cup final and what's the most exciting part about that is because of the format this year one of the people actually had the Canadians against Boston in the final. That would be I crazy. Might, I might die if that happens. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. I don't know if I can handle that. And imagine if we had to go through the Leafs to get there in the same oh. playoffs. We're going to just that, – that's that's incredible. I can't, I can't believe how – because I – last year, you were a bit more positive than I was in the prediction episode. I, yes. I, I was not I was not loving the – the, the the moves that there's still the lack on defense and all that for for, for the team. I'm more excited for a, a Montreal Canadiens roster than I've been in a very very long time. Never and, been this excited. Never yeah, been that's, this, I might have never been this excited. You're right. I I've probably never been this excited. I can't wait to see it start. And man, 
Now, I'm already excited for the playoffs. They they better not disappoint. I'm setting myself up for disappointment. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The, I, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this team. I mean, the the additions they've made, I mean, they're, they're good everywhere. I mean, they, they have so much depth. I mean, they're the guys on the taxi squad make for a good line. You know, I mean, they have great goaltending. Their backup goalie could be the starter for some teams. Yep. They got great defense. I mean, even if they deal with which are with you know, I mean, we all know it's it's going to happen. There's going to be a couple of injuries, you know, and and it's not going to be that huge of a loss. Even if a guy like Carey Price were to go down, I mean, I, you know, J, I mean, I wouldn't want to go with Jake Allen for the whole playoffs and the rest of the season. But you know, if if Price were to get injured for a few weeks. It wouldn't be the biggest. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's not, that's a good point. If Price has to be out for uh, like 14 days, Jake Allen could hold the fort for those 14, 14 days, no doubt. Same thing if, if Shea Weber gets injured. I mean, yeah, it would hurt, but it's not going to be the end of the world either. Same, you know, if, if Gallagher gets injured, not going to be the end of the world. So, I mean, this depth is going to, is, is huge for the Canadians, especially in this shortened season. I mean, they're probably, I mean, I don't know. I don't have all the all the rosters here in front of me, but it, I I can't think of a team that has more depth than the Canadians this season. Uh, for uh, uh, for especially at forward, I, I don't know about. I mean, and backup, you know, a backup goaltender, uh, one of the best duos I think uh, in the league. I do still have some question marks about the defense because uh, there's kind of. But at the same time, if you look at the division, I forget where it was, but someone had a top five of the defensemen in the division. Both Petrie and Weber were there. I don't know if I agree if Weber goes down, if it, if it's how much of an issue. If either Weber or Petrie go down, it, they're harder to replace. It Once again, all depends on Romanov. If Romanov steps in and is an impact player right away, like I'm not saying he needs to be the best defenseman on the team or anything like that, but if he's right away an impact player, you know, that can play close to 20 minutes a game or, or I don't know, 17, 18 minutes a game, it's just that's when I think we're really going to see a transition for this team because then you have you don't to not have as big of a drop off from Weber Petrie to the next guy is just going to completely transform this team. I, I really, truly believe it because then all of a sudden you always have kind of like top, top end defensemen for any type of situation and all that. And then at Ford, I'm not worried at all. We, we could have two, three injuries on any given night, and we'd still have a pretty okay forward lineup to put out there, regardless of who's out. No, definitely. No, uh, definitely looking forward to it, and uh, can't wait to see them uh, kick the Leafs' ass tomorrow. All right, so if you've stuck it till the end of the episode, props to you. I mean, I probably wouldn't listen to this entire episode, so it's over an hour and a half at this point. It's like, I think it's like by far our longest episode ever. But it's, uh, well, last week was pretty long, but half of it was like an interview. So, I mean, it wasn't us just talking for the, for the whole time. But this is definitely by far the longest of us just talking. But if you made it to the end, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everyone that gave us uh, the the predictions. Uh, I think we got more predictions and more kind of uh, comments than we've had in a while. And I just think that's a testament to how excited we all are for this season. And I, I look forward to next week being able to talk about some actual Habs hockey games and what happened. And hopefully we get to be just as excited when we talk about it next week. Yep, yeah, looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can pull out the win tomorrow. All right, so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.